and welcome to the fuck you and uh if you don't know what the fuck you is it's a podcast that invites people from all walks of life um to converse about various um access to equity within the context of aotearoa we invite guests like yourself um to um, share your lived experiences in an effort to identify common threads within support systems social networks and knowledge that uplifts the collective human experience um, and then season one, we have an overarching question. And this season, we are exploring what does equity and support look like for various communities coexisting within one society? And today, we have the mighty... Uh, Joran Tuitama. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, you forgot your name, did you? Oh, my gosh. That question was like, What? <laughs> Hey, we don't expect you to answer it specifically, oh, but cool. you know. Far <laughs> oh yeah, so go. This your first question. Yeah, but that was probably by far the best uh, intro I've ever been a part of. Oh, beautiful, <laughs> beautiful. I was like, when's my turn? Oh, she's pointing to me. Five kids. <laughs> Kelda, how are you? I'm um, good, thank you. Um, thanks for having me here. Appreciate yeah, that. Um, do you want to um, introduce yourself and however much you want to share? And also your pronouns. Okay, um, so I'm Joran. Um, I am a um, avid content consumer of social media, mm-hmm. um, and I'm a lifelong learner. Uh, and also, uh, just one of my hobbies is breaking um, stereotypes. <laughs> yeah, love nice. that. Yeah. Nice. Um, and what are your pronouns? Um, I. I don't know what that means. Okay. Let's so, go there. What is that? <laughs> yes. So pronouns is how you want people to refer to you. So okay. um, my pronouns are like they, them, or she, her. Okay. Joseph? And mine's he, him, his. Yeah. So like, or otherwise, like just basically how would, do you identify yourself? Oh, do you? Um, mm. Ia? Yeah. Nice. Ia? Ia oh, <laughs> nice. No, that's all good. Yeah, I'll just go with Ia. Yeah. Cool, 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 cool. I love that only because you're the first person who's jumped into that space. I'm like, yes. And if you're listening, jump into that space as well. (laughs) That's really cool. Uh, And because I haven't had that conversation before, Mm. you see it a lot Mm. and you hear it, but I want to hear it from you guys. Like, you know, what what is it? Yeah, that's cool. Uh, yeah. Was that okay? Was that answer okay? Yeah. Oh, okay. Why are you asking for validation? Oh, okay, like, you sure. can't ask for validation at oh, this okay. club, okay? This is a charity <laughs> of like okay. no validation seeking. Cool. <laughs> so much for breaking stuff. <laughs> <laughs> cool. But like it's your own personal okay. thing. Like it's not for anybody else to tell you yes or no. So mm. whatever you want is all good. Mm. I'll throw, I'll throw in too that I'm a millennial and I'm really proud of that too. So. Ooh, why do you say that? Because I feel like we get a lot of slack. Um, well, millennials get yeah, a lot of slack. We're, we're like hybrid humans, um, I think, in terms of um, culture. Um, oh, oh, there's the popo. Oh, no, they're coming for Jason. <laughs> I um, thought they were coming for <laughs> But um, that's not the stereotype that we want to upload. <laughs> I think the best way to... <laughs> Yeah, well, I, get, I guess the stereotype about millennials, for me, I mean, the best way I can describe it is I was I was at the inception of Mortal Kombat, mm-hmm. the first one, mm-hmm. and we're at 11 now. Whoa. So I've been there since the, the genesis of Scorpion Sub-Zero to now with all these new characters. <laughs> and so because I'm a millennial, I've had that, I've got that knowledge base experience and understanding of the history behind Mortal Kombat mm. that it makes me a little bit more advanced 
in terms of skill sets and knowledge base in Mortal Kombat, if that makes sense. Oh, okay. So being okay. a millennial means that I've got the best of the old and the new school. Mm. Mm. So I call it the true school. Hey, uh, okay, okay. I feel that. Yeah. That's how I feel about millennials anyway. Yeah. Mm. yeah. No, and then so wait, would you? I'm just gonna push you even further. Were you in? Were you in, in like um, Sims? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the OG Sims, yeah, the which OG was like Sims. a computer, um, like CD, like you have to download yeah, and then put in the ROM. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I did the Sims thing. Yeah, yeah, that's good. I've man, whoa, <laughs> what? Come on, you wanted to go throw? I'm like this. So yeah. before before that, I was like, I feel like when I came to New Zealand in 2000, mm. the first thing that I ever saw like, was Sims, and in my head, I'm like, what is this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, coming from the island to Sims, it's like. <laughs> Wait, oh my god, innovation. <laughs> yeah. Even like further back then, um like PlayStation and Sega and like Atari going mm. way back then. Yeah. I mean even um arcade systems themselves, like at the fish and chip shop. Uh so like I'm I'm like tape cassettes yeah. and VHS tapes mm-hmm. and streaming. Mm-hmm. Whereas versus say anyone under twenty five might just be streaming. Mm. Yeah, or even under under fifteen might only be streaming. So that experience of the old school and the new school, that's why I think millennials have an advantage. Yeah. And where do you reckon, like, do you reckon baby boomers have this, uh, like, had a similar advantage? Um, Compared to their, um, yeah, the generation before mm. them, definitely. Yeah, I mean, there was no war. Yeah, that, that helped. <laughs> Just a little. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, the world wasn't fighting, but, um, yeah. I mean, the baby boomers question too, like, People get a bit annoyed with the mm. boomers. Um, they just they just need to understand some, and they they want to talk about it. Yeah, if you take time to talk with a the boomer, they're pretty cool. Like they, yeah, they're like, oh, I see. That's why you're useless. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> Thank you for that confidence yeah, builder. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Which has been interesting, like lockdown. Um, you know, I've learned I've learned how to become a DIY uh, mm. a builder, and I think some of the boomers in my family are starting to see the. Oh yeah, we validate him now. He's <laughs> he's one of us. Yeah, <laughs> he can yeah. finally use his hands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for the right reasons. He's not dumb. <laughs> Looking at a screen. What does Google? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. On the line. Yeah, basically. Um, all right, so talk about um, community and communities that you've been attached to ever since childhood. So you can do the throwback to primary school, high school. Oh, cool. What are the different communities That's and community cool that um, you've been a part of? Um, so my mum's Māori, um, Pākehā, my father's Samoan. So growing up in a <clears throat> like culturally diverse household has been real interesting. Mm. Um, so you, you would think you get the best of both worlds, but I got mm. the worst of both worlds. <laughs> You, um, only you can speak to that. But I mean, like, yeah. I mean, that that's a part of the learning too is um, and having these conversations with my parents now. Um, you know, we talk about, I talk about in particular, um, I've learned what not to do because of their parenting style. <laughs> and it's a little joke we have with them. Mm. But um, yeah, so I come from a, a diverse background, I suppose. Um, I grew up in South Auckland um, as a youngster, born out west. My dad's from Auckland. My mum's from... Um, small community just outside of Auckland, which is considered Southside now, um, Pukekohe or Mount Zion. <laughs> um, so I spend a lot of my time in, out west and, and south. And then um, 
Yeah, I, I grew up basically in the hood, in poverty. Um, and with that, all the symptoms of poverty comes, um, you know, all the all the negative stereotypes and statistics that you're supposed to fulfill. And yeah, as a, as a kid, I think 10 years old, my goal was to become a gang member. And then as I um, kind of moved through my teenage years, um, some significant things happened. And so one of my friends was murdered uh, at 14. So he was stabbed to death, um, which had a huge impact on me. It's like, ah, oh, maybe this isn't as cool as I think it is. Um, so that had a huge impact on me and changed uh, the trajectory, I suppose, of what I wanted to do in life and what my goal became. So um, from then on, I decided, oh, you know what, um, I need to do good. I need to do positive because I don't want another generation or someone else losing their friend mm. because of a colour. Mm. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I thought, nah, surely there's something bigger than this. Um, so I followed that path and became um, involved in, with youth and rangatahi. Um, yeah, and still still going strong. Um, yeah, still helping uh, where I can in my community. So, yeah, grew up in Auckland. Um, we moved to Hamilton uh, when I was 14, uh, just, just after that had happened. So um, came to the city, oh, another city, and, um, yeah, enjoyed my time here at high school and uh, got involved with sports, um, really big in the arts. Um, and then, yeah, I uh, had my little family and we moved to a small rural community called Kawaru in the Bay of Plenty. So I've been there for the last eight years and still there now. So, yeah. Wow, okay. If, if that answers your questions. No, that, that does. <laughs> yeah, sure. um, I feel like I heard um, the mixed culture community, like in terms of you've got a mixed family, um, that on its own, I don't think we have had any conversations mm. around what support or no support looks like. Mm. Um, the arts family, like, I feel like you have, like I would love for you to dive in deep to see what um, support looks like or should look like from your perspective. And then at the same time, I feel like the stereotypes, I feel like there's a massive conversation around stereotypes, especially in Aotearoa, that we don't know, I, th I don't think society is equipped or society, I, I don't think, I know society is ill-equipped to handle those conversations. So I guess f f f focusing on those three um, areas, what did support look like for either being in a VIX family and then going outside of your world, like outside of your walls to a world where that's yeah, not the norm? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> wow. I guess one of the... Um a significant thing that happened to me in uh, year seven, I was in an enrichment class, they called it. So mm -hmm. the year seven enrichment class, which is like the top, where the brainy kids go. <laughs> and I was the only brown kid in that class. <coughs> and um, which I didn't think anything of at the time. Like, it was all good. Like, cool, this is a cool class. Like, heaps of girls. Um, <laughs> and then, and then um, it wasn't until one day I was like, you know, interval and some of the other Maori girls were saying, why are you in that class? Like, yeah. And I was mm. like, what do you mean? He's like, that's for smart kids. What are you doing? And I was like, oh. And that um, changed things for me for a few years. I started to dumb myself down because I didn't want to be in that class anymore because I was, I wanted to be like everyone else. Yeah, yeah. So that had a huge impact on me and, and particularly coming from my household where my parents didn't really, um, like my dad's Samoan, but he's New Zealand born. So he considered him, considers himself Kiwi. Mm. 
And so he didn't speak Samoan in our household because he was taught it had no value in the mm. society we live mm. in. So he, why bother teaching my children? Mm. Um, my mum came from a, a market gardening family. So we were spud pickers and onion pickers. So Mount Zion movie was based on my family. So my uncle was the writer and director of that movie. Yeah, yeah. That's so cool. So we, were, we come from this like grassroots, you know, mahi hard mm -hmm. type of Maori family on the marae. Um, but on, when I say on the marae, we weren't, um, my, my koros and my uncles, they weren't on the pie. They were the ringawera in the back. They were the hunters, the gatherers, mm -hmm. the cooks. That's where my <coughs> family were and that's where we kind of still are even today. So mātauranga Māori and tau Māori wasn't big in my family either. So the only kind of, um, I guess, identity that I could grab onto and hold onto was um, hip-hop. Yeah, hip-hop culture. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah, so I gravitated towards hip-hop with the Samoan Māori flavour. And yeah, it kind of just turned into what you see today, I guess. Mm. And, and yeah, so I was heavily influenced in my household. My mum worked at a video store. <laughs> so I had full access to video games and videos. And if you don't know what videos are, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Google's gotcha. Videos are like, um, yeah, hard drive sized um, cassette tapes. What are they used to call? Like VHR? VHS. Oh, yes. VHS. I'm like, yeah, man, I yeah. knew it. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, so like, I watched um, huge movie buff, like, um, man, John claude Van Damme, Steven Seagal, like action movies, like, yeah. Steven Seagal was the same character in every damn movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, and, so and, was Van Damme, actually. Yeah. No, but like I, like, I have this theory, I'm like, this. so you look at Nicolas Cage, you look at like um, Bruce Willis, you look <laughs> at like Cage, Arnold Schwarzenegger, yeah, yeah. like all of them, same person in every, especially Sylvester Stallone. I'm yeah, like, yeah. brother, your accent is not changing. Yeah, so there's 90s action, you know, superstars, mm. and those guys, I watched all of them, um, but I also, yeah, so I was influenced by movies, by music, by hip-hop culture, by, um, but, and also to, um, you know, gang culture as well, because it was, it was in my family, it was in my community, I saw it around, so <clears throat> I was influenced by that stuff as well, so, yeah, that, that um, you, know, you know, you're not quite Samoan, you're not quite Maori, mm. um, and you're not from America, so you're not quite hip hop yeah. as you think you are. It's like, where where am I then? Who am I? And you know, um, that's still a question you know, I'm asking today. Because when I go to the Marae, I'm still a bit lost. Mm. When I go into, <clears throat> you know, um, I've been asked to become a Matai, a Samoan chief, and I'm like, I can't even speak Samoan, mm. like, <clears throat> let alone lead my people or my family, my my um, ainga, like. So yeah, it's like real confusing. <laughs> it's confusing, but I don't know. Still here, I guess. Yeah. And do you reckon that if you took this pathway and found out like little remedies, it would help the next generation because you're doing the hard work now? Or do you reckon there's already pioneers that have kind of already come from mixed families that have done a little bit of like plots to of support anyways? Because I don't, I know for sure society doesn't support that. Like there's not a like mixed yeah. family, like call line, like that you yeah, can call. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I think what I touched on when I touched on hip hop, um, that was probably a savior, not just for me, for a lot of my generation. Mm. Um, so, why do you think that is? Um, well, 
it's quite cool that you talked about the arts community as well because that's where we link into. Yeah. And, and that's where we were able to self-express. Go there. Is through, you know, lyrics, through rapping, through graffiti art, through movement, through dance, um, through the, actually creating music as well. So it was actually the, that art form or, you know, music in general, not just mm. hip-hop, but music, um, was the, uh, the release. And that's the support system that we relied on. Um, more so than people mm. or, or um, a, a government system that was set up to support people like me. It was more so um, arts. And I think creativity and the arts is um, so undervalued, super undervalued. Um, if you look at our education system, we're like, <laughs> we're still doing literacy and numeracy, but I mean, man, what about the arts? Like, I think it should be a compulsory subject. Big time. I mean, creativity, without it, eh, we're just going to have... Um, a bunch of people who just no solutions, don't know how to problem solve. They can't see different perspectives or offer anything new. Uh, and you need creativity to do that. Mm. And so that's where the arts comes in and plays an important role. But yeah, so like in terms of supports, growing up in a, in a uh, you know, family background as such and growing up in a household like that, um, I think that's why we gravitated to hip hop and, and arts was a big um part of you know finding ourselves and who we are knowing who we are and where we can move forward um, and that, that's probably something I would encourage um, other people out there too is if you're not sure who you are um, that's normal and that's mm. okay um, but find out what you like because that that's usually a channel for you to find out who you are eventually so it's like yeah it's beautiful <laughs> and like i can totally relate to that because i gravitated towards the arts when i was growing up particularly through like teenagehood as well yeah. and that has served me to this day mm. like still does and i found connection and i found my community and explored and then offered my community a platform through that oh, so wicked. like and that's actually how i met joseph <laughs> yeah yeah and that's how i met you yeah. <laughs> through your arts like wow, yeah. yeah cool man that's cool um, all right, so what did support look like for um, for the arts community? Because I feel like I think you really did a nice job of linking um, the mixed family to, to arts and how that expressed itself. Mm. But did you have support directly or did you have to go and seek out support in the arts community? Um, I think maybe a good place to start is how... <clears throat> so I, I talk about um, coming from a Samoan Maori family Um. You know, in, in those cultures themselves, arts is f really big yeah. <laughs> for some reason. Um, you know, you go to any <laughs> church uh, on, a, on, a, on a weekend, um, you know, there's going to be some harmonious mm. vocals going down and mm. like real uplifting um, and, and it changes you changes you so um i was fortunate enough that um my grandfather on my samoan side was uh, a musician and he was a band leader like marching bands like full on there like it's, <laughs> it was real <laughs> so my dad um knows how to play the cornet the trumpet the trombone the piano keyboard the guitar and he can sing <gasps> Yeah, so that I had that it's like to his my own band. Okay, and yeah, I laugh because yeah, yeah. everyone's like, "Oh, triple threat." Um, what is yours like? <laughs> yeah, so he, I had that at my disposal. I had that knowledge base as my father. 
Oh. And to, to boot, he was also a former tall black and professional basketball player. So he was like the consummate Polynesian all-rounder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So that I had that as my resource. So I was lucky. So I, I consider myself to be lucky in that yeah. aspect. And then I had my mother who um, was a very strong Māori uh, leader and advocate for her family and, and real family-orientated person. So I had those at my disposal. Mm. And I wasn't, you know, we didn't grow up in like state house. I mean, we did, but like, like you know what I mean? Like mm. your stereotypical, I, I had um, people as resources. Mm. I had family who were really great role models and had really cool skill sets, even if it was crime. They were really good at it. And so I had that. They had at my disposal. That was so good. Like, I feel like, so the, the quote that my mom always says is, if you're going to be bad, be good at it. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, if yeah, you're yeah. going to do something, yeah, yeah, really yeah. stink, be yeah. good at it. And I'm yeah. like, I'm going to jump off the cell and I'm going to be good at it. And that, and that's one of the reasons why I moved away from gangs. <laughs> because I thought it would be too easy. Ah, yeah, mm. It's too easy. I could do mm. that easy. Mm. Um, I'm 6'4". I'm built like a shit brick house. <laughs> I'm an athlete and I can articulate myself. Mm. Being a criminal is easy. And yeah. that's why I stayed away from that. Let me go and do this education thing because apparently we're not good at it. So let me break mm. down that stereotype. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Strategic. Yeah. I mean, it's that whole um, self determining, challenging myself. And yeah, that, that I got that from Michael Jordan, which is another huge influence. Oh, yeah. That's who I'm named after as well. So. Anyway, where was I? What was I talking about? Um, just support in the, in the arts. You started off with the Yeah, yeah. So, so coming coming from that background, having, you know, just gonna die slowly a here. super talented <laughs> family, um, it gave me an advantage. So going into schools, like joining school choirs, auditioning for school productions, talent quests, I've already had this advantage. I've been doing it my whole life in church. Mm. Like I've been singing and dancing and you know, creating art my whole life so and if you look across um most talent quests in secondary schools you're gonna see a lot of brown faces because we've been doing this since nappies man yeah. <laughs> like yeah or, or we know people that are good at something mm-hmm. and so we're, we have that access so um and that led me to the arts so uh, after high school um my my basketball career had finished um those hopes and dreams were flushed down the toilet um, I went down the rugby league path, decided I don't really like it as much as the arts. So I put sport to the side and um, yeah, pursued a career in the arts. And I was lucky because um, I came into a time where there was a school created in Auckland specifically for mm. Pacific Islanders. Mm. And it was run by Pacific Islanders. And um, I want to shout out to Lady Chadwick, who was my tutor at the time, and Sean Coyle, who was a, a very prominent um, Balangi gay man, who's a set designer. So he created a lot of set designs for theatres and TV shows. Mm. Um, so I had those two as my tutors, so I was lucky. I had a foot in the door already yeah. in terms of the industry. So um, they honed my, my skills, um, supported me, and then I got my first gig um, on TV One through a, a Te Reo Māori language program. Um, so myself and Ngāhuia, um, Piripi, who's on Shaun Street now, mm-hmm. yeah, she was, she, her and I were each other's first on-screen kiss, which is quite interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh, yeah. Some explicit it's a little funny thing. It's a little funny thing. You're like, oh, I remember that. Yeah, crack <laughs> um, Yeah, so I, 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 and then from there, kind of gravitated towards a um, whole bunch of other things. You know, I was fortunate enough to to write 
uh, direct and produce my own play um, and I won an award for it. So we performed at Herald Theatre in uh, Sky City. What was, what was that play about? Um, so it was about the South Pacific Games. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. And it was a kind of like a parody. Um, um, yeah, like a, it was a comedy. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, so we just talked about the South Pacific Games and um, it's kind of like sketch comedy slash, yeah. So from there I was, um, I was quite lucky to have the producer of Brotown um, come and watch that play. Her and Oscar came, Oscar Kitely, yeah. who's one of my um, mentors. Uh, now, uh, he came and they approached me. So he said, oh, hey, I want you to be on this new TV show that we're coming up on TV3. I'd mm. like you to play a few characters. I was like, oh, cool. Um, and so, yeah, I, I ended up turning up to the reading and um, Taika was there, Reese Darby was there, all the naked Samoans were there. <laughs> and then this kid from H-Town. You, you, represent. Yeah, represent. I was like, damn, like, here I am. Um, and this, like, absolute beasts like the beast like madeline sami was there like we had some like guns and new zealand yeah. television so we filmed that um over a three-week period and, and and i was about 21 22 21 at the time and oscar was a big big influence on me because i had watched all of, i had taped his tangata pacifica specials whenever naked Samoans did a show i would tape their things and i would copy them and bite their jokes and all sorts. And I was telling Oscar, man, I bit your joke, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, man, you're a bottle. But anyway. Um, <laughs> and so from there, um, I got an agent. I did all of this without an agent. And so when you talk about support systems, um, you know, how do you go from a performing arts school to now acting alongside Reese Darby mm. with no agent? And I'm like, yeah, you know, I, mean, I like yeah. that. I like that, Mana. I'll Tell take him. that. I'll take that. But um, yeah, and then you get an agent. So having an agent's really important. But again, I talked about those two people, Letty and Sean, um, and going to that school specifically set up for Pacific Island kids. Mm. Um, that paved the way uh, big time for me because then from there I got the Polyfest gig to MC one of the Polyfest shows. Mm. Um, and then I did another TV show called Brown Brothers on TV3, which was a pilot series. And then from there, I went to a Disney movie and that was filmed in Auckland. Um, from there, I think I did um, Find Me a Māori Bride. I did a whole, a whole bunch of other TV shows as well, like one-day shoots. Because I'm living in Kawarone, it's a four, four five-hour drive to Auckland to mm. film. So I um, kind of put it put that stuff to the side and just focused on, on my family and, and youth work. But going back to the support, eh, um, you know, having, having something specifically set up for you, I'm lucky. Like, I'm glad that people existed. Like, and it's not just me because f- others that have come from that school have included like Tangata Pacifica hosts. Mm. Uh, one of my best friends who I met at the school now has just got a, a video content creator for Buzzfeed in Sydney. Mm. And previously to that, he was with Fox Sports and Dis- Discovery Channel. Oh, wow. Yeah, so like, yeah, he's doing big things. Um, and a whole, uh, one of our other um, students or classmates, he's um, done his own feature film that played in movies across New Zealand. We've got people in all sorts of movies. And so people's got a really huge reputation in terms of um, the arts. And I mean, even Coconut. TV, mm. um, you know, one of the usos in my class, Mario, was um, um, in, in class with me, and now he's a big part of that uh, production. So uh, we were lucky. So you talk about support, we were lucky. Mm. Um, people who paved the way were people like Oscar, 
yeah the nakeds they did the hard yards at the mm. theater and plays and um being the only brown people in the film and television world and theater world so by the time i got there it was already the pathway was already laid down mm. it was already laid down for me so i'm quite lucky so to this day and age any young people coming up man all you need is a device tiktok <laughs> that like you can create a one minute video and could potentially set you up for the rest of your life you don't have to do what Oscar did. You don't have to do what Tofinga's still doing. You don't have mm. to do what I went through. Um, you can become famous in your own home. If fame is what you're looking for, but if you want to create art, it's a whole different ball game. Um, especially in terms of content creation, because everything is so instant gratification. I want to laugh for 15 seconds and then I'm moving on. Um, you know, for me. It, brings up the question oh what is art then mm. if we're consuming it so quickly um shouldn't art have value and shouldn't it be timeless and if you look at da vinci paintings for example there's a timeless um you look at movies like the godfather or the sandlot kids you know these are timeless movies um and shouldn't shouldn't comedy be the same shouldn't be content creation be the same yeah, I don't know. Mm. Gone on a tangent, but no, yeah. I think it's a really valid point because yeah. it's saturated. The market right now is saturated mm. with so, and it's like, come on, <laughs> every single time we've we've done something good and we can recognize something good, exploitation moves it on to commercialization, <laughs> and it just like blows up. Yeah, yeah, really like highlighting the greed of humanity. Yeah, like um, my daughter, um, she she had to she has to ask me if she's allowed to follow someone. Mm. So I can screen who she's following because there's certain messages I don't want her to see. That's beautiful. Well, she had to do a, a, a presentation as to why she was allowed to have a TikTok account first. So she's nine. Mm. She did a PowerPoint presentation as to why, and she outlined the do's and don'ts, um, health and safe, uh, safety and risks, and what she would do if online bullying occurred, that she would tell us straight away. and. Mm. Um, she would only post videos that we approved. So can I post this and would look at the video? If it's a dance video, cool as you can you can do that. Well, hang on, what are those lyrics? Hang on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Honestly. Yeah. So um yeah, and then just just around that. Um Yeah. What what were we talking about? Sorry, I've lost my thinking. I thought about my daughter. Yeah, no. No, no, I think that's really cool that you have given her autonomy but still within control because she's only nine mm. like but to have that opportunity in that platform to explore herself and express herself in yeah. a safe environment yeah yeah where she can connect with other people from different places yeah. but still keeping it safe online for her i think that's really really important i really I, that's where i was going with the people she was following mm. um so Charlie D'Amelio, right, is a huge, uh, I guess, TikTok star. But she was, um, she created her success off hip hop culture and in, the, in terms of the dance moves. And so for me, hip hop is an expression of minority groups who have been urbanized or, mm. or you know, come from poverty. And hip hop was the self expression route. That's the route that we took to express ourselves. But what we're finding now is that um, the content creation world and who who's being marketed towards our kids, our brown kids, uh, are rich um, white Americans who already have access to all the gear, the equipment, mm -hmm. 
the ring lights. Um, you could just look at the houses they live in. You're like, oh, it's some privileged stuff. But then you look at the music that they're listening to and consuming and you look at the dance moves that they're doing. It comes from the hood. And so it's like, ah, oh, this is some appropriation type shit. Um, you're not following her. Go and follow this other kid mm. who's actually expressing herself, mm. who's actually um, sharing, shedding her soul to you, who's actually got a story to tell and not just using this as a uh, financial gain or a marketing tool strategy. Yeah. And I think that links it back to what you were saying before between like fame and art. Mm. Like Charlie, whatever her name is, is obviously just seeking well, I perceive that she's seeking fame mm. and recognition, mm. whereas those other young people that you're encouraging your daughter to follow actually have a story and mm. expressing themselves rather than just like trying to find fame and gratification yeah. from external op- like ex- mm. external people. Yeah, and that the whole question around influencers, eh? What is that? Influencers versus content creators. Yeah, what is that, eh? Like. It's ugly, man. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's crazy. So then that's why I I screen everything that she does, and even my son. Yeah, so he same same treatment. We screen who they follow, um, and then we talk to them why. Mm. <laughs> like, oh, we don't follow them because they're from America. Firstly, <laughs> their, their view of reality is already tainted. So let's. Just <laughs> I mean, that's my opinion, but yeah, I always. I agree. I'm always looking for brown brown people. For my kids And my mm. daughter's a big girl Her dad's a big boy She's gonna be big mm. So I'm trying to find people Who are role models So Paris is a perfect example Yeah And you know She, she started I uh, My my parents know her parents mm. And so They shared with me No 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 She's She's from the same place You're from I'm like, mm. Oh cool That's cool like, Yeah you can follow her Except for when she wears Skimpy clothes You have to sc- Scroll past <laughs> But that's just the dad in me. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. True that. No, but come on. Yeah. Age appropriate. Yeah, but um, yeah, I hope, oh, yeah, again, hope that answers your question. <laughs> <laughs> this is about going into the various fields. Um, Okay, so talk about rangatahi and like that mm. rangatahi space. Yeah. Because I feel oh, like wow. you came up from it and yeah. there was, this, there might have been support inequities there, yeah. but now you're on the other side. Mm. What does support look like yeah. for you as a, coordinator facilitator yeah so you know when you're afforded the opportunity to create something initiatives or projects that are going to have a positive impact on youth you think you'd get excited about it but what i actually found was that there's so much bullshit in the politics so much there's so much oh my gosh where's my tea and i'm just (laughs) and what what i found now you know i was i was on the ground just mm. on the ground working with people thinking that I'm doing good good for the world um, and I'm helping people that are in my community and then you gradually start to develop you know um, some credibility people are starting to recognize your work and then you start to move up in the world and start doing bigger and bigger projects and you're starting to help more and more people um, so I've been afforded the opportunity now to be at a national level and be able to influence oh, the whole country, I suppose. Mm. Um, only to find like, oh damn! But you got to jump through all of these hoops in order to actually have the impact that you intended to have. And then by the time you've applied for government funding, which mm-hmm. essentially is what we all do, yeah. Um, 
there's so many boxes that need to be ticked and those boxes have nothing to do with a positive outcome for a young person Mm -hmm. and so for me and you talked about it just before do you Mm. do mahi from the head or mahi from the heart you know does it come from and and me it's easy it's an easy answer Mm, it's from mm, the heart and and so it's like ah you know it's no wonder we're in this state that we're in Mm. it's no wonder maori have always been at the bottom of the barrel it's because um and my one of my good friends says it's it's um it's broken by design Mm. yeah for sure so it's like ah wonder (laughs) so i'm having that aha moment now currently you know and it's um not cool i don't feel great about it at all and i'm starting to find myself being that guy now i'm like nah you know i'm fighting against the system within Mm. the system and i'm that guy now and you know if if it's not me then who yeah that's kind of how i look at it so in that space it's been really interesting and because I, i truly believe that any i mean just the question itself what does success look like that question itself is so hard to answer. Like, and then for me, it's if it's a young person, it's got to be self determining. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Whatever success looks like to you is what success looks mm. like. Yeah. And so, when you've been provided contracts or funding, it's usually been given. You've been given the standard of what success looks like, and you look at educational programs. And that's why I struggle too because I'm more for learning, not education. Mm yeah that's beautiful what do you mean by that so um learning is lifelong Mm. like Mm -hmm. we're learning right now yeah um education is something that's been standardized quality assured and to ensure that you have passed a certain mark to say that you're competent in doing this skill or this technical ability and oh my god where have you been like yeah we uh, fuck with that so badly like we fuck with that so badly yeah so that that's what i mean by learning and education so um so i don't have a degree um and that's on purpose because i'm about that breaking stereotypes Mm. i can be brown tattooed big as hell and still um be successful Mm. i don't need to go down the western path Mm. or the traditional path of get a good education get a good job provide for your family uh now i'm all good yeah i'll just get a good job and provide for my family (laughs) like yeah Mm. Um, so it's been interesting. Um, yeah. So when we're talking about young people, um, yeah, their their success has to be self determining. Um, you know, turning up to school for a whole week could be a very very huge thing for someone mm-hmm. um, young. And, and I I really admire that young girl coming out of South Auckland who spoke up about how she was supposed to achieve in education and get her schooling and her ncea but at home everyone is starving mm. everyone uh, is not living well in terms of their whole water and their holistic well-being mm-hmm. so she's got to leave this sacrifice her education and potentially her future to go, go and go and help her whanau so it's like ah this is broken yeah, <laughs> the system sure. is fucked <laughs> like what nah, for hell? real um yeah so where do yeah like where where to from here and what do i do um and one of the things i've always talked about is you got to really build the young person themselves not so i say build the person not the cv Mm, beautiful love that yeah Yeah. 
So I don't like who cares what you can put on your CV. Um, are you cool? Are you a good person? Like anyone can drive a Ferrari, but is it an asshole driving a Ferrari nah. or, or a really cool person <laughs> driving a Ferrari? Which one is it gonna be? Like, which one would you wanna be? Mm. Yeah. So yeah, and that's that's messages I I kind of share to to young people, and you know, Ferrari isn't the goal. Like, mm. oh, I want to be rich. I want to be famous. I'm like, yeah, it's cool. You could be famous. You could be rich, but I can pick up a piece of a rock for free and scratch your Ferrari. <laughs> and what value does your Ferrari have now? <laughs> and I'm laughing. Yeah. yeah. So it's hard. like, well, you know, that's, there's no value in that, man. Um, but I mean, there's so many things I could talk about with young people. Um, there's so many. It's levels, though. There's mm. different scopes. Like, even what type of young people are you going to work with? Like, I've found, I've come across, you know, I shouldn't bag people, but I've come across uh, situations where people have talked about successes of young people. But do you look at that group of young people? These are very privileged kids. These are kids that are already going to be doing well. And you're going to pawn them off as a success? It's it? so frustrating. Yeah, yeah, and I it's like that. you're you're gonna you're gonna say that because of your initiative that these young people um, have done well without you know acknowledging the fact that both parents have full time work, without acknowledging the fact both that parents are together. Both parents are together. <laughs> You've never known what hunger is. Mm. You're going to be successful. There's are factors in life that are going to make you resilient enough to do well. Yeah. You've got well, in this answer. conditioning, at least. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Especially in this conditioning. Yeah, yeah, for real. Yeah. Again, I hope... <laughs> <laughs> we need to get into, like, a, like a yeah. stick for when people are like... <laughs> um, all right, so um, we've jumped through some communities, support. Um, uh, what do you think? So this is about, like, so the Fuck You podcast is talking about <laughs> all the things that are, like, so the furthest queue that needs to be brought up to the front. And have like you know what are the topics that you believe need to be brought to the limelight from your perspective? Um, indigenous knowledge. Mm, go um, there. Yeah, indigenous yes. knowledge needs to be brought right to the forefront, um, especially if you're talking about sustainability. Um, sustainability in non non just non terms of environment, but sustainability <sighs> in terms of um, society, like societal sustainability. Um, you look at, I guess. So an, an example I'll use is um, food sovereignty. Mm. Go there. Um, and so we we actually have kids that think beef comes from the supermarket. It exists. Yeah, yeah for yeah, sure. For yeah. real. Not, not even joking. We actually have kids that think meat comes from the supermarket. That's so many. And it's always bountiful and it's always going to come from and the it's supermarket. it's always going to come... And yeah, you just walk yeah. in, and that's where you get it. So, so we've got this, um, and it's been by design mm. to have yeah, these of types of kids <laughs> that are going to be reliant on this, you know, economic model mm. to keep consumers, you know, keep it going, keep the money going. And you could apply that to any other context or business mm -hmm. yeah. or, or product or whatever. Um, so, you know. Uh, actually educating young people around um, cultivation, around farming, around, um, yeah, sustainability, around harvesting, around moon phases, mataka, around 
when to fish, when not to fish, around protection of young fish, or particularly, you know, don't take that eel because that's the the producer. Because like, in the next season, he's going to mm. produce yeah. 500 other eels. Mm. So we don't take that eel. Um, it's around, um, yeah, uh, you know, when to, when to fish, when not to fish, health and safety around that, like sustain. These are all, this is all stuff that you find in indigenous knowledge. Mm. We knew this stuff ages ago, like, and we just didn't commercialize it and create it to make capital. Like we, this is common knowledge so that you could live mm. a healthy life and so your family could never go without but we don't live in that world anymore. Um, in particular with Māori, who were able to create their own clothing made from harakeke. Mm. They were able to make their own tools made from paunamu and, and harakeke again, like making ropes. Mm. We were able to create and build our own transportation. We were able to do like, and live a healthy, you know, abundant life within our small communities as well and we had systems in place we had leaders we had experts we had um you know schools of knowledge wānanga. um and these are things that i always see in today's society are being brought to the like oh we need to focus on um you know waterways i'm like sure we did that a long time ago we knew mm. that stuff was coming like and then who are you going to for that knowledge? Mm. Oh, the Komatsu's. Kia ora. You know, so it's like, um, and, and uh, uh, the Australian fires is a better example. Mm. How are they managing the fires now? Through indigenous knowledge. Mm. And they're seeing Aboriginal experts who have thousands of years of knowledge of how to control the fires because they've lived there, there for millennia. And then now people are saying, oh, let's go ask them because they know. That's a perfect example of an indigenous knowledge base coming to the forefront. Mm. Why? To save people's lives. Like, come on. So, yeah, that's, that for me is probably what needs to be uh, brought to the forefront. Indigenous knowledge and not just um, not just within Aotearoa, around the world, man. Mm -mm. There's a reason why indigenous people survived in those climates, survived in those environments. There's a reason why... They didn't live there because of the resource was abundant and I could make money off of this. They lived there for a reason and they know how to live there. I mean, you look at our Inuit people living up in the Arctic. Like, yeah. Bro, you ain't going to find no islanders out no. there. Like, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's damn you cool. No. But they, they know how to, and they've created a lifestyle and they've created systems of, like societal systems to maintain and sustain themselves. So. And medicine as well, I think. Wrong or a big time, yeah. To me, I feel like, I don't know how to say this, because I feel like it's it's almost trendy and topical to jump into indigeneity right now. Big time, yeah. Because it's like, it's like oh, and it's like, but like, when I think about it in its like entirety, like if you zoom out mm. and look at it at like across time, mm -mm. indigeneity is like, it's it's almost like used as an excuse now where it's like, oh, we'll just go back, we'll just revert to the, to the old ways. And it's like, no, human like processes are the reason why we keep on going through back and forth of like yeah. greed, no greed, greed, yeah. no greed, yeah. greed. <laughs> and it's like, to me, it doesn't make sense for us to always be looking at it at like knowledge systems in that way in terms yeah. of abuse, not abuse, abuse. Oh, let's retract that. Yeah. And I'm like, can we have a system where we actually analyze 
the longevity of ideas because I feel like some ideas are great and amazing and we it's, it's, it's lasted through time and space. Mm. But the longevity of a lot of these policies, I'm like, you're, <laughs> you're not even you're not even future-proofing this. You're not yeah, even trying yeah, yeah. to or attempting to, yeah. to look at it from a future perspective. Yeah, you're just like, time. in the now, we need housing. We have a housing crisis because we have a population crisis. Yeah. It's the whole one plastering. It's mm. put a plaster over the problem. Right. Yeah. And I, so I totally agree with you about that. But um, any other thoughts? I think what what you touched on too is um, something that's really important in terms of youth work as well, is that a lot of the work that I'm trying to do now, I'm I acknowledge and understand that I'm not going to see the fruits of that mm. work, because what we're trying to do is, you know, if you're trying to combat intergenerational problems, mm. you need intergenerational solutions. Yeah. So yeah, we're not, we're, not beautiful. Going, we're not going to see the policy that's going to fix it today. Mm. We're not going to fix it today. Yeah. We're going to fix it potentially for my great-great-grandchild, who I'm never going to meet. Mm. But if I plant the seed here today, mm. they're going to reap the rewards. Yeah. And that's what it's all about. So, yeah. Nice. Oh, my gosh. That was wow. beautiful. Any lasting thoughts, advice out there to I people? I just hope that was of value to anyone <laughs> Oh, out man. There. Come on. <laughs> All right. Seriously. Yeah. No, thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you for coming through. We really appreciate it. really appreciate you coming through to share your focado and have a conversation with us. All right, so is there anything that you need to plug? How do people get in contact with you if they, they mm. connect and relate to um, your Fakaro? Yeah, just, I guess, Google me. <laughs> yeah. You'll find me eventually, yeah, Facebook, right. whatever. Yeah, yeah cool. And Any we'll projects? links down yeah. below as well. Yeah. Any projects that you're currently in or? Um, nah, he's, yeah, just... If you want to talk, just hit me up, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just you got to bring the kai. <laughs> Fair healthy kai, by the way. Fair enough. <laughs> no, that's cool. And yes, um, don't forget to like and share and prog- what what is what's all of those things. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, well, like, we'll, share, subscribe. Yes. Yeah, there we go. Like, share, subscribe our Instagram. We're only on Instagram, um, fam. So please um, take a look at that. At uh, Farku Podcast. Yes. The Far Q podcast, and cool. if you don't like, what what are your thoughts on the name? I feel like mm. I like I like the idea of um, the Far Q meaning of the lineup that you have of people you want to speak to. Mm. I thought that was clever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We also wanted to say "fuck you" in a nice way as well. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're the Fuck You podcast. <laughs> no, it's cool. I like the name. I like the that intro. Honestly, is the best. Oh, okay, intro. you need to help us intro out there, no? Oh man. The fuck you. 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 Bye. Bye.